Welcome back to Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. I'm personal financial planner, columnist, and financial therapist, Rick Kaler. Research tells us that 90% of all financial decisions are made emotionally, not logically. For nearly four decades, I've been helping people make better money decisions. So what makes my financial worldview different from most financial experts? I blend the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Good money decisions are not just about the money. So let's get started with today's episode. Well, welcome back to another edition. And this just isn't another edition. It is the two-year anniversary of the beginning of this podcast, which is kind of uh, amazing for me to wrap my head around. I remember going, I was in a study group with uh, Dimensional Fund Advisors on marketing. And this was, um, it it was pre-pandemic. And I would go and I was kind of the old guy at the group. And I never have really seen myself as a marketing person. This was a, a study group of people that were known for their marketing. And I kind of filled the, uh, the book slot because most of them did uh, television and podcasts. And I think to me, podcasts were something like what the internet was to me in 1996. I got on, messed around a bit, and I said, this thing isn't going anywhere. It's so slow. I don't see a future for this thing called the internet. I was wrong, wasn't I? And so when it came to podcasts, I just, I just didn't quite get it, you know? Audiobooks, yes, but it just didn't seem to me as anything that was going to be big. Well, of course, podcasts became very big. And the uh, colleagues of mine that were in this study group that were doing podcasts, I mean, they were professional, focused. They were, in, in some ways, automated. They were targeted with who they're going after. I mean, they were podcast machines, marketing machines. And as I would listen to them in complete awe over what they were doing, you know, it hit me, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of behind the times here. And I've, I've got a message in financial therapy that at that time, there wasn't another financial therapy podcast, except potentially one um, that I don't think is going anymore out of Australia. But that was it. They were like, Rick, you could own this space. You really need to go after this. And I looked at the time and the focus that they put to this, and I just couldn't see it. Just all the time that it takes scheduling guests and coming up with the topics and the editing and then the production and the marketing. I mean, it's like almost a full-time job. And I have several full-time jobs. So I just told him, I, this is way too much work. I just don't see myself doing this. And as uh, time went on, uh, of course, the pandemic hit and my travel schedule came to an abrupt stop. I 
used to travel one to two weeks a month and I'm home and I had uh, I had more time but I hugely filled that time with doing online workshops and and uh, it's not that I ever was lacking for anything to do you know I also um, own a financial planning firm and in the process of all this started a financial therapy practice so plenty 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 to do in fact i have never been busier than the last two or three years and that's all another topic one of which i'm uh, working on in therapy <laughs> so i often tell people that maybe are stuck in something or trying to make a decision, if you had a magic wand and you could wave it, what would you do? Because I had all these objections to doing a podcast. Another mentor of mine is a real estate mentor. Uh, Dee Fountain was her name. She had a great saying that has stuck with me to this day. Uh, And she was talking about offers that were made to sellers in this context. She says, Basically, when you counter an offer, when you get an offer, you don't like it 100%, you respond or you make another offer back called a counteroffer. She said, I would tell my, my client, tell me what you will do, not what you won't do. That is really valuable advice. So I had a list of what I didn't want to do around podcasts. But I thought, well, if I could wave a magic wand, what would make doing a podcast as easy as possible that would fit into my flow? And I thought, well, you know, I write a column every week. I've done so for over 30 years. And that takes a couple hours a week, two or three hours a week. I really didn't want to add writing some something new or new content. And I thought, well, if I could do a podcast, because with my column, as many of you know, I record the column on YouTube. And that is scripted. I mean, basically, I'm reading the column on YouTube. And unfortunately, I think sometimes it looks like that. I try not to, but so that's very, very scripted and very easy to do, right? Takes me five, six minutes to do that. And I thought, you know, if I could take what I'm writing in my column and just expand it and really go into the emotional side of the money, because my column is, I mean, it definitely has an interior bent on it around uh, emotions, but it's um, it goes to, I think, maybe four newspapers and and it's a little bit more on the financial side, the financial planning side, than the therapy side. So what would happen if I took that column and I just expanded on all the emotional nuances that's in the column? I thought, well, I think that that would be easy. At least I wouldn't have to be writing new material every week. And I also thought, in my mind, a podcast was an an interview. You had guests on your podcast. And this just seemed overwhelming, that I would need to get a list of people, which wouldn't be hard. I know lots of the pioneers in financial therapy that would be very interested to have on. 
but I got to put them in my schedule and get into their schedule. And then we've got to record it. And then we've got to edit it. And I know I've appeared on a number of podcasts and I look at the effort they put into it, all the reminders and the setting it up. And I'm just like, wow, I don't work that hard. What would be easy? Well, it'd be easy if it's just me. All right. <laughs> There's not many podcasts that are just monologues, are there? And will people really want to just listen to you? And uh, how quickly will I run out of material? You know, podcast number five, number six. But I decided, well, that would be easy if I just made the topic, the um, uh, weekly column, and expanded it to the emotional side. And what would also make it easy? No script. I don't want to have to sit down. Uh, my, my average column is 600 words. And so that's about, like I said, five-ish minutes of talking. Well, um, the package I purchased for my podcast has a maximum of 30 minutes. And most podcasts go 25 to 28 minutes. Well, all right. Um, five times six is 3,000 words. That's a lot. I mean, that's half of a chapter in a book. No, I'm not going to sit down and write that. It's just going to need to happen spontaneously. So, no script. What else would make it easy? Well, I don't want to edit it. I don't want to sit down, take out the ums and the ahs and all of that, that stuff. So, uh, the uh, podcasts generally are done with one shot. Every once in a while, I'll get interrupted. A cat will jump up behind me <laughs> or, uh, but not, not very often. And I have to splice those together. So I said, okay, we do it in one shot. I do it on the weekends. Typically the weekends are my writing and now my podcast time. And then it was like, okay, who's gonna lay this thing down, you know, make the file on it. And I looked at a number of sources and found a company, I think they're out of England, um, called The Next Day Podcast. So I worked with them because the next thing I had to do is come up with opening music, the opening dialogue that you hear every time. That I don't know how long I played with that, listening to all sorts of bumper music. And uh, playing it for colleagues and family, like what sounds good. And so finally I selected the music. And then it's like, well, do I use my voice? Do I use somebody else's voice to open it up? We tried it both ways and I, I decided it's probably better to use me. So cut that. And so they have that on file and then I send them the episode, they put on the beginning, they put on the ending, and that's it. Send it back to us, and then I, I use something called Buzzsprout to put the episodes up on. So that may be more than what you want to know or care to know about how this thing is, is put together. It was kind of funny. My son told me, who was 
He's probably 19 when I started putting this together. He's now 21. And he says, yeah, Dad, your podcast music sounds like a boomer. Sounds like music a boomer would have. <laughs> oh, I'm a boomer, so I guess it fits. So, um, and this takes me, I would say, a couple hours a week. It just depends, because sometimes the development is a little more involved than, than other times. There have been times that I've cut a podcast like this one. I am not writing a column on my podcast. So this is all off the cuff and is not following a, uh, a column. So I've, I've had a few like that. So I started laying these down in December 2020. That's just as the vac first vaccines were rolling out. And I got about nine or ten episodes called in the can before I released the first one. And the first one was, I think it was called, What is Financial Therapy? So I've maintained that number in the can pretty religiously. I got it up to about 12, which gives me a little bumper, bumper a little room, which was super helpful in January and February. When I started traveling again and doing some speaking engagements, I also got pneumonia for three weeks and didn't put anything down during that period of time. So it really helps to have that, uh, that cushion. Now the podcast, I, I wouldn't say this podcast has a huge following whatsoever. I mean, I've done nothing to promote it, right? So people just kind of have to stumble across it. Or when I speak, I refer to it. Or when somebody needs resources, I say, you know, I got a podcast with a whole bunch of topics on it. <clears throat> Go take a listen and um, find the ones that, that appeal to you. So the average podcast at this time gets probably two to 300 downloads. It's kind of interesting. The, the uh, all-time top listen-to podcast has over 600 downloads. What do you think that one is? Well, it was the first one. <laughs> what is financial therapy? I need to go back and listen to that and see what I said two years ago. And the second most listened to is the second podcast. And the third most listened to is the third podcast. And it just keeps going down from there. <laughs> so I think I burnt people out on those first three. They're like, uh, no. No, this isn't getting any better. Interestingly enough, <clears throat> the fourth and fifth most listened to podcasts were number 41 and 42 when I interviewed Barry Tesler. And, and as you know, Barry is uh, the originator of the word financial therapy, at least her husband is, and um, is one of the first financial therapy therapists and has an, uh, just a fantastic course, uh, The Art of Money, and is a great, great marketer, and great financial therapist. So that's some more trivia that uh, may or may not be of interest to you. We just went over 20,000 downloads. Now there's some podcasts that do that in an episode. But like I said, uh, my point here, I mean, I don't have any commercials. Uh, I'm not selling anything. <clears throat> it, this is just 
a um, labor of love to bring the, this information, bring what I've learned in the financial therapy landscape uh, to the world. A little slice of the world. So I, I've always had this uh, a, a tendency to want to teach and inform. I'm an Enneagram type one, right? It's called the reformer. So I guess that that goes with that particular uh, type of energy. I teach at Golden Gate University and I'm just as I have completed it's my seventh, my seventh book. Uh, so I, I enjoy, I enjoy this. And quite frankly, I think one reason that I enjoy is because I learn. When I have to explain something or state what I believe on something, it really um, takes me into a, a deeper place where sometimes I come out going, wow, didn't know I believed that. Or I, I kind of uncover stuff that I've never thought about. So <clears throat> that's part of, um, of what drives me around this. So what's, uh, what's next with the podcast? What, what's up for the next year or two years? Well, I really don't know. For the first time, I've started thinking about maybe this is enough. And I say that because as I researched podcasts, I was surprised at how many just went for 10, 20, 30 episodes and ended. Uh, I don't know what the average episodes are for a podcast, I suppose. That's a, another spontaneous question. I could Google it. So I don't know uh, what is average for a podcast. Let me Google it right now and see if I get a, well, they say the average time is uh, 37 minutes. So I guess I'm not too far off of that. But what's the average number of podcasts? Wow. Uh, the average person listens to eight podcasts a week. That is amazing. If you have over 3,400 downloads, you're in the top 10% of podcasts. If you have over 9,000 downloads, you're in the top 5%. you got to be kidding me. And I have 20,000. Huh. Well, how about that? I had no idea. And, and sometimes I, I get asked, Rick, what podcast do you listen to? <laughs> None. And, and that's, I'm not being snobbish. I wish I had the time. There's probably scores of podcasts I'd love to listen to. I just don't have the time. It's the same thing like, Rick, what, what are you reading right now? Yeah, what I'm reading are about 30 books on my nightstand that are calling to me that I just hardly find the time to do it. We're in a book study in my financial planning firm right now um, on the... Uh, <clears throat> by the Arbiger Institute on Self-Deception. So I am reading that book right now. But that's pretty rare. It's I write so much and, and I'm, I stay really current with things. And of course, I need to stay current financially and therapeutically. So I just don't have a lot of time. 
So the question is, what did I ask myself that I didn't answer? What's next? Well, I have thought about, how about I just quit? <laughs> so I, I've been entertaining that. And I'll see, you know, when when it starts to become really hard to get new topics, that's probably a good sign. I, I have been amazed at the topics that keep coming up. You, you've heard me say how many times I've never talked about this on the podcast. So, but eventually that's got to end, you would think. So I thought about, well, I could go to start having more guests. Um, I have found out that just having conversations is the easiest way to go rather than interviewing. There are so many uh, people in the financial therapy world to talk to. I could easily fill podcasts with talking to these amazing and uh, interesting people. It would be, it would take a little more effort. And I don't know. I don't know how well received that would be. Now, based on my third or my fourth and fifth highest listened to podcasts, which were interviews or conversations with uh, Barry, well, people might like them. And I could appreciate that. I mean, how much of me can you listen to, right? So that's a thought that I've had. Another thought I've had is just ending this particular podcast. I mean, it'll be out there for as long as they keep podcasts up and be a resource. And then just maybe shift to a different focus. I thought about shifting to just a IFS, Internal Family Systems Focus, since um, the last two books and one white paper that I've worked on are all about uh, IFS informed financial therapy. Um, so I could, I could just do a podcast on that. It would have very limited um, audience, probably more limited than this podcast has. And it is my, uh, my uh, focused area of learning and passion at the moment. And then another podcast I could do is on the book that just was uh, released that I co-authored with Deb Kaplan called Coupleship Inc. From uh, Financial Conflict to Financial Intimacy. And it's a book uh, written to the consumer. It's kind of like a do-it-yourself uh, financial therapy book for couples. And it is unique in the fact that it does introduce IFS. Uh, into uh, that process. So I thought of uh, doing that or doing that potentially with uh, Deb where we would uh, just have a podcast series kind of bringing that, that book to life. And it could be also part of this podcast. So I don't know. And if any of you've got thoughts, uh, what you'd like to hear, uh, please let me know, Rick at rickkaler.com. I uh, really appreciate the feedback that I get from many of you. Many, many of the sessions have been from topics and questions that you've asked. I appreciate that. So you can write me and say, Rick, shut it down. <laughs> We've had enough of you. And yeah, maybe going toward more guests or maybe just ending this podcast and going with a, a different focus might be, uh, might be what's called for. So, 
I really appreciate your listenership. I run into uh, many of you as I'm starting to travel or, you know, even on Zoom calls that say, yeah, I listen to your podcast. And I do uh, really appreciate that. And like I said, appreciate your, your feedback and your support. So I think that's what I have to say about this podcast. I hope it's been of some interest to you to kind of look behind the scenes, get a little bit of, of history um, on the podcast and how it came about. I am appreciative to all the uh, folks in the DFA Media Study Group that gave me a lot of uh, suggestions and pointed me in the right direction to, to make this as easy as possible. And that was the key. So I do know I'll be doing at least a couple more episodes. So we'll just, uh, we'll see where we go because I, of course, have some in the can. All right. Thank you. Take care and uh, look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks for joining me, Rick Kaler, for another episode of Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. This is where I combine the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Remember, every financial behavior, whether it appears illogical to you or others, makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying beliefs, feelings, and thoughts. Sign up for my weekly blog at financialawakenings.com. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode.